We are going to be in the book of Nehemiah here uh, this morning, and uh, I want to focus on just one uh, brief thought that I believe that uh, the Lord would have for us. And of course, we've been going through um, the restatements that we find in God's Word uh, for the month of January, and we've already looked at um, redeeming the time. Uh, we looked at uh, restoring um, getting restored back to worship. Um, and then we looked also about remembering, remembering uh, what uh, God's word uh, tells us to do. And then we also looked at refocus. And that's what we did uh, last week about living in the lens of his will. And uh, this morning we're going to look at one last one. And it's the idea of rebuild, rebuilding. And uh, we're going to find it there in the book of Nehemiah as what uh, the Lord has for us. Um, and I think most of us know the story of Nehemiah. Um, we're all familiar with uh, what took place um, as Nehemiah went uh, to the city there um, after hearing of all the, the things that, that went on uh, as far as with the, the walls being torn down, the gates being burned with fire. And Nehemiah is just moved uh, by, by hearing about this, and he goes over there with a purpose to rebuild. Um, and if I could just give you a little backstory of what had taken place. If we can recall back in 586 uh, BC, God allowed the Babylonians to come in and to destroy the nation there. Uh, primarily because they were going after uh, false idols. Um, they had, had wickedness in their city, immorality, uh, political corruptness, all of these terrible things that was going on in the nation. God allowed the nation, the Babylonian nation, to come in and to destroy uh, their city. Also, we find out that many of them went into captivity, and they were taken over into Babylon, they were taken captive, and they were living there in a ungodly, a very pagan nation. And so they were living there. And then we find later on, uh, probably possibly around 539, Cyrus, the king of Persia, comes to Babylon, and he takes over. He destroys the Babylonians. And so now Cyrus is the king. And one year after Cyrus is ruling, he starts to allow many of the Jews to return back to their homeland. And so you have all these Jews that are going back, and that's where we find the books of uh, like Ezra being written as they're going back and they're reinst uh, reinstating uh, temple worship. They're, they're going back, they're trying to get things back to what they were. And a few years later, probably around 445 B.C., uh, king Artaxes is now uh, the king, and Nehemiah, we read about, he is the cupbearer, and he is serving this king, and he gets a report from one of his brothers about the condition, the state of Jerusalem, and he's moved by that. Now, you have to think about this just for a moment the nation of Israel was to be a beacon, it was to be a light, it was to be God's glory being displayed to the world. And so for the nation of Israel to be destroyed, for the nation of Israel to be broken down, uh, for the people to be broken, 
uh, that sent a message to the other surrounding nations. The glory of the Lord has departed from here. And you think about Nehemiah, he's living here in, per, in uh, Babylon during this time. And he hears about the, what the condition, the state of the nation of Israel is in. And his heart, I'm sure, just sinks. You know, probably most of us have been in that situation before. When we hear news about something that had taken place and, and our heart just sinks with sadness. I can recall a time growing up uh, at the time... My brother, he was a senior in high school, and at that time I was a freshman. And my brother got into uh, doing BMX bike racing. And he was out at a track somewhere, and he was doing jumps and stuff. Well, he was in an accident. The telephone rang, and my dad answered the phone, and it was the hospital. He had been taken to the emergency room. And I remember the conversation going on between my parents as they were talking about this accident that had happened, but they really didn't know how bad the accident was. Of course, they went to the emergency room. There they found my brother. He had literally went off a jump, and his, he planted his face first into another jump. All of his bones in his face had been broken. His nose was smashed. His jaw was broken. The, eye, the bones around his eyes were broken. He had to have reconstructive surgery. My parents didn't know how bad the accident was until they got there. And, you know, I can imagine probably as a parent, hopefully I never receive a phone call that you hear of an accident of your child, of, of how terrible it is. But I'm sure my parents' heart possibly just sank that, morning, that day when they heard about this accident that my brother had been in. Well, can you imagine? Here's Nehemiah. He's serving in the presence of the king, and he hears about the condition of the state of Jerusalem. Let's read it together here, Nehemiah chapter number 1. And let's notice some things here about what takes place. So Nehemiah chapter number 1, and look at verse number 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Shislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile, notice these words, is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. No doubt this was a terrible thing to hear that Nehemiah heard, that his, his, his fellow brethren were in great trouble and shame, and the walls have been broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah is told that the people here are in great trouble. And you think back in the days when they would have a city, they would build these great walls for the purpose of keeping certain people out. They wanted to protect the city. And in fact, that was the time of, of warfare during that time is, is the nation would come in and they would besiege the city and they would not allow anybody to come in or go out. And they would just wait it out. And eventually the people inside, their food would begin to run out. They wouldn't be able to leave. And a lot of times they would start starving. They would eat each other. 
And so this was a type of warfare that would break the morality down of the people. And once they realized that their morale was broken, then it was just easy for them to go right in and take over the city. The nation of Israel was to be a beacon, and the glory of the Lord was once displayed there in great power. But now Nehemiah here hears about this city, and he hears that the walls are all broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. What a description to hear about something that used to be uh, crowned with glory is now just nothing but rubble. I'm sure many of you at one point, possibly maybe you had a house at one time uh, back in the day and, and you moved from that house and then years later you went to go revisit that house and see what it looked like and you're like, what happened here? Look at this. They put up this big fence. Look at that tree that used to be. They cut that down, right? And it changed a lot of things. Well, can you imagine? Here's Nehemiah and he hears about how the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. And as Nehemiah hears these words from one of his brother, you can just imagine how his heart must have sank. And it's quite evident from reading here about Nehemiah that this was a man that was passionate about following the Lord and wanted things to be rebuilt. Because immediately after he hears about this, his first inclination is, I have to pray about this. And he goes to the Lord in prayer. And he's wanting to have the, the walls rebuilt and restored. Now, we don't have time to go through each chapter here. I would encourage you to read through the book of Nehemiah by yourself and to gather together this rebuilding of the wall that takes place. I mean, it's an amazing feat that happens. But I want us to just pick a few things here out that I would hope us to help us to see here about this rebuilding that Nehemiah was con so concerned about. Now, through this whole month here, I've been, this, this, this chapter out of Nehemiah has really been stirring in my heart because everything that we've looked at up to this point about, about redeeming the time, about restoring, about remembering, about refocusing, leads us up to this one point about rebuilding. And I believe that all of us here, all of us in here, encounter people with broken lives and broken walls. And we look at the situation and we're like, what are we going to do about this? Well, we can't just immediately jump in because I believe that all of this was a, was a thing that Nehemiah went through about redeeming the time, about refocusing, about restoration, about remembering and then he goes and rebuilds. Let me just point out a few things here. And you can just jot these in your Bible if you want to. You can take notes. It doesn't matter to me. But here in uh, chapter number 1, verses 2 through 3, you find Nehemiah. He hears about these walls that are broken down. And he knows something has to be done. And Nehemiah only has a certain amount of time to do that. He realizes that God has purposed him for this purpose to rebuild those walls. And he says, you know what, I'm not just going to sit around here and be a cupbearer all my life. I'm going to go and I'm going to redeem the time and I'm going to go and rebuild the walls. In verse number 6, as, as uh, Nehemiah prays to the Lord, he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. And listen to this, confessing the sins of the people of Israel 
which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. He says, we have acted very corruptly against you. And Nehemiah is seeking out restoration now with the Lord. Because he realizes that, that the nation of Israel is in great trouble. And he realizes that he must go and rebuild these walls. And he seeks out restoration here. In uh, verse number 17 in chapter number 2, he says here, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Nehemiah refocuses his attention on exactly what God wants him to do. And that's to rebuild the walls so that the nation of Israel will no longer be in derision. He says here in uh, verse number 11 in chapter number 2, So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. He goes to the king and he says, Hey, look, I need to go and I need to rebuild these walls. The king grants him permission. He says, How long are you going to be gone, Nehemiah? Nehemiah basically says here, hey, I'm going to go. I want to see the condition of this nation. I want to see the walls broken down. I want to see the gates that are burned with fire. And he was there three days viewing everything. He was not just goofing off. He was taking his time, redeeming the time, looking at what had to be accomplished. In verse number 13 in chapter number 2, he says, I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. He didn't waste time. He refocused his energies. He says, hey, look, not only am I going to look at this during the daytime, but he actually went out by night and spent his time doing all of this. So Nehemiah, no doubt, realized that there had to be some rebuilding that had to take place. And he realized that all of these things had to happen before he could go and rebuild. Now you say, Mike, what does that have to do with us here? Well, I believe that Nehemiah was passionate about rebuilding because he had gotten his focus right. I believe Nehemiah was passionate about rebuilding because he sought out restoration. I believe Nehemiah was passionate about rebuilding because he remembered God's word and set to the task in rebuilding the walls because he knew he didn't have much time. So I'd like to bring an application to this that I think all of us can, can really apply our lives to. And I just have one point here this morning. Okay? God used Nehemiah in a strategic time to bring back the nation of Israel back to Jerusalem. God had raised up Nehemiah for this task during this specific time. All of us here, God has raised up in this location for a strategic time, a strategic place. I mean, we just heard uh, Rob here this morning, and I was blown away. I didn't know that about other languages. I always thought, hey, sign language is sign language. I learned something this morning, that there are people groups out there that do not have the language, sign language, in their language. That's amazing. And so God is raising up people during this specific time to accomplish his task. And you know what all of us encounter? We encounter broken people and broken walls. Now, I'm not talking about walls, necessarily physical walls that are broken down. But you know, when I heard Rob this morning, I thought, you know what? That's a broken wall. That's something that needs to be built. 
That's something that's that a hurdle that needs to be crossed over because they're reaching broken people. All of us in here encounter broken people and broken walls. I like to think about what Nehemiah heard from Hananiah. And he says, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. You know, the area that we live in, we have people that are in great trouble. There is possibly maybe even somebody sitting here this morning whose life is hanging in the balance. Great trouble. There are people that we are going to meet throughout the week that are in great trouble. Their lives are broken. You know, as of 2014, when they did a census, there's 318.9 million people that live in the U.S. alone. You know what I see? Broken people and broken walls. But that's too many, I know. That's a lot of people. Okay. As of 2014, 6.597 million people live in Indiana alone. You know what I see? Broken people and broken walls. You say, Mike, that is still way too many people. Okay. Well, then how about Middlebury just alone? There's 3,497 people in our backyard. In Goshen, just down the road, 32,219. You know what I see? Broken people and broken walls. You say, Mike, that is still too many people. Well, that's, that's a crowd of people. Okay, how about just my neighborhood alone? In my neighborhood alone, there is 55 neighbors. You know what I see? Broken people and broken walls. You might say, Mike, but that's still way too many people. Okay, well, let's get down to something we can really, really grasp here. Okay. How about the people that you've had interaction with on a daily or weekly basis? These are people that you know, first name basis, and you have interaction with them. These may be people that you see constantly throughout the week. It could possibly be a coworker. It could possibly be somebody that you have interaction with, maybe at the post office, at the grocery store. I don't know, but you know them. You know what I see? Broken people and broken walls. So it's so important for us to see that people are broken. There's brokenness all around us. And what are we supposed to be doing? We are supposed to be builders. We are supposed to be people going out and sharing God's message of love with them. We live in a sin-ravaged nation. We as believers in Jesus have been raised up during this time, during this strategic time, to rebuild. And as we encounter people with brokenness, we are there to help. We are there to lead them. We are to there to show them Christ's love in action. What about all the people that are hooked on heroin in this area? Brokenness. What about the, the people that uh, get swept up into sex trafficking around our area? Brokenness. And what are we going to do? Are we going to just sit idly by and say, well, that's what happens. God is supposed to be using us to help people in their brokenness, to bring them back to restoration 
with the Lord. Let's notice a few things here in this, in this word, because this is amazing. I want you to look at chapter number three. And I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. So if you want to underline this, this is, this is interesting. Here's Nehemiah. He goes to the city of Jerusalem. He sees everything's broken. It's, it's in disrepair. It's a mess. And he says, we have to start taking action now. And notice in chapter number three, he gets everybody together. He says, look, we're going to do this. We're going to start rebuilding. Chapter number three, I want you to just underline these words as I uh, point them out to you. Chapter number three, verse number one, you find the word built. Chapter num- uh, verse number two, two times, built. Verse number three, built. Verse number four, repaired. Verse, uh, also verse number four, repaired. Verse number five, repaired. Verse number six, repaired. Verse number seven, repaired. Verse number eight, verse number seven, repaired. Verse number eight, repaired repaired, and then restored. Verse number 9, repaired. Verse number 10, repaired two times. Verse number 11, repaired. Verse number 12, repaired. Verse number 13, rebuilt it. Verse number 14, repaired and rebuilt it. Verse number 15, repaired and rebuilt it. Verse number 16, repaired. Verse number 17, repaired two times. Verse number 18, repaired. Verse number 19, repaired. Verse number 20, repaired. Verse 21, repaired. Verse 23, repaired two times. Verse 24, repaired. Verse 25, repaired. Verse 26, repaired. Verse 27, repaired. Verse 28, repaired. Verse 29, repaired two times. Verse number 30, repaired two times. Verse number 31, repaired. And verse number 32, repaired. I don't know about you, but I think Nehemiah put uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, and uh, Menards in really good business. Forty-two times you find that word, built, repaired, repair. Nehemiah was set on a task to rebuild, and he did that. In fact, it says that he rebuilt those walls in 52 days. That is an amazing feat, considering... You say, well, how big is the nation of Israel? Well, let me give you a few things about it. The length of the walls is 4,018 meters, or in other words, 2.4966 miles. Their average height was 12 meters, or 39.37 feet, and the average thickness is 2.5 meters, 8.2 feet, and the walls contain 34 watchtowers and seven main gates. And Nehemiah repaired and rebuilt all of it. Now, he didn't do it alone. Because if you read chapter number three, you know the strategic plan that he got together with all this? He got everybody involved. And he didn't just say, he didn't just have a big meeting. He says, all right, guys, we're going to go over here and start at the north. Then we're going to work over here at the south. We're going to go over here. We're going to work at the west. We're going to work at the east. If you read there in chapter number three, you will see that every single person was responsible just for the area in which they lived. And they got to work. They said, you know what? I'm here in this area. My wall is broken down from here to here, and I'm going to rebuild that section of it. And they got to work. And you know what? All of us in here, we can't just look to one person or one group of people and say, you know what? They're going to handle all the issues. They're going to handle all the problems. They're going to rebuild everything. 
all of us have to look around in our area. Just in my neighborhood alone, I got 55 neighbors. They're broken, broken people and broken walls. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be concerned about the area in which I live. Who's your next door neighbor? What's their name? What's going on in their life? Is there brokenness in their life? Do you know some things about them? You have to be involved with them, building relationships with them so you can see the brokenness. If not, we just see them, we say, hey, 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 oh man, I can't stand that guy. (laughs) I have a next door neighbor that has five dogs. I look outside, I look in the backyard, and you know what I see? Not grass, mud. And I'm going, ugh. But you know what? They are people. They're people that are possibly broken. Broken walls and broken people. And God has strategically placed me right there. For what purpose? To rebuild. All of us have that opportunity to do that. You say, Michael, I've lived in my neighborhood 50 years and I only know two people. Open your eyes. We have to understand why God has placed us there and it's to rebuild. During this time when they start rebuilding, I I like what's going on. Um, You have these two guys that get so irritated at them rebuilding and they start to try to stop the work. And in fact, they start raising up some some armies, some men that are going to try to stop it. And Nehemiah says, okay, guys, you have a trowel in one hand, and you have a sword or a spear or a shield in the other. And as they're working, they're also fighting. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, Bob, hand me another brick. Oh, wait, hold on. Can I tell you, as as we begin to rebuild, we are going to encounter opposition. But that doesn't mean that God's not in the work because the Lord was in that work. And they rebuilt those walls. Why was Nehemiah so moved by this? You know, when we think about all the horrible things that are in America, things that have been destroyed, uh, things that have destroyed people's lives, drugs and alcohol and, and immorality, and, and when we think about all those things, broken up families, broken couples, disaster that strikes in the homes, when we think about all those things, we're not supposed to go on a crusade to fix those things. We don't go on a crusade to... Uh, abolish uh, whatever. We go on a crusade to promote the name of Jesus Christ. To push forward his love. Listen to what Nehemiah, what he was moved by. I mean, he saw the gates that were burned. He saw the walls that were broken down. And that was, that was, the, that was some, some things that he saw, but Nehemiah was moved to rebuild the walls, not just because they were broken, not just because the gates were burned with fire, but because of this. In Nehemiah's prayer, notice what he says here in verse number uh, four. It says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. 
And continued fast, this is Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 4. He says, I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah was motivated, and we should be motivated, to seek out broken people because of our great and awesome God who is steadfast in love. How great is the God that you serve? How awesome is he? How steadfast is he in his love and his mercy and his kindness? That's why we should be seeking out broken people. They say, Mike, are you saying that I need to have these people and I need to go and witness to them and tell them about Christ? Not everyone in here is an evangelist. Not every one of us in here has a, has a gift of, of evangelism. But I'm saying start to build a relationship with broken people. If all we are doing is building relationships, which I love re building relationships... But if all we're doing is building relationships with each other, which that's good about ironing, sharpening iron, we're missing out on what we are supposed to be doing. Let me give you a good example of this. Uh, let's see. I need to borrow. Omer, can I borrow you if you come up here? Uh, let's see. Uh, Jonas, let me borrow you. You guys are getting nervous, I can tell. Uh, Don, let me borrow you. Uh, let's see. Richard Mayberry, let me borrow you. Let's see, we got one, two, three, four. Uh, let me try one more. Um, let's see here. How about Alex? Let me borrow you. Now I'm going to give you... <laughs> We're going to pretend here just for a moment that you guys are firemen, okay? Now, Omer, your job is to drive the truck, make sure the truck is washed, make sure it's clean, make sure all the hoses are put on there nicely, okay? Jonas, you're in charge of all the tools, okay? Your job is to make sure that the tools stay in good shape, working condition, make sure that everything is placed exactly where it needs to be so we can just grab it and go, okay? Don, uh, your job is to take care of the dog, okay? <laughs> make sure he's fed and watered. Uh, make sure that he is going to take care of, you know, not getting involved in messes, that he's trained right, everything, okay? Uh, Dalmatian, yes, absolutely. Okay, Richard. Your job is to make sure that all the calls get handled strategically, okay? You're going to be in there making sure that you get the phone calls uh, and then, you know, making sure you know, write down the address of everything where it's going to happen and all that, okay? All right. <laughs> Alex, your job is a pump man, okay? You're going to go out there and you're going to make sure you're turning on the water, all that good stuff, okay? Has everybody got their job? Okay, all right, here we go. What's your job? Driver. Driver, okay. Take care of the tools. Take care of the tools. Taking care of the dog. 
Take care of the dog. Telling you where to go. Telling you where to go. Okay, now, only one of these guys got the answer right. They're all firemen. What's their job? To put out the fire. Okay? Alex got it right. You know what happens? I believe we get so concerned with things that we are supposed to be doing, and we neglect the most important thing. God has strategically raised up all of us here for a certain time in a certain place to be reaching people for Christ. Now, we may look at that and we say, well, yeah, I've been gifted in this, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and I'm supposed to be doing that, and I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. But we all need to be reaching people for Christ, seeking out broken people, seeing the broken walls that we can help rebuild, right? Thank you, guys. You can sit down. <laughs> so this week, I challenge you. I challenge you. I, I, I start to challenge you even throughout the rest of this year. Get to know the people whom God has strategically placed you in, around, so that you might start reaching broken people, that you might see the broken walls there. So Mike, does that mean I have to? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying build relationships with those people. You never know. You never know what could come from it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you for reaching out to us, uh, people that are broken, people that... Uh, need restoration. And God, help us as ambassadors to carry that message of restoration, to carry the message uh, of salvation to others. Help us to build relationships with others. Help us to remember why you have placed us here. God, help us to be builders. Help us to bring people into your kingdom. God, you are building your kingdom. And we just want to be humble servants that can be used by you. Help us to be made alert of the people that are in need in our areas. And help us them to lead them to Christ. We thank you, we love you, and we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.